0: Your only source for live campus news. This is The Pulse.
1: Hello, and welcome back to The Pulse on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. I'm Megan Lee, and I'm joined by Carrington Peavy and Abby Milligan. Today, we're going to be talking, breaking down updates surrounding the lawsuit against Mizzou, the Mizzou fraternity known as Fiji. But first, the weather and headlines. Today has continued the trend of milder winter weather with a high of 48 and a low of 39 tonight. Tomorrow should be much warmer with a high of 54 and then dropping back down to a low of 18 overnight. The True and
0: Falls Film Festival lineup was just announced yesterday, February 9th. True and Falls is an acclaimed film festival held here in Colombia and will take place from March 3rd to the 6th of 2022. Although last year was an all-outdoors event, COVID-19 precautions such as mandatory masking and proof of either vaccination or a negative COVID test are required for attendance. 31 feature films and 19 short films are being shown, varying from documentaries to fiction and more. Tickets can be purchased at truefalse.org.
2: From KOMU News, employees at the Daniel Boone Regional Library have announced their plan to unionize, garnering a response from their employers. While Daniel Boone Public Library has acknowledged its workers' right to create a union, it did discurse, discourage the action in a statement published Wednesday. It in part read, quote, "'Unfortunately, the American Federation of State, "'County, and Municipal Employees' supporters "'have made factually inaccurate and, in some cases, "'untrue statements about issues "'at the library's workplace,' unquote. "'Workers are citing high turnover, low wages, dangerous conditions as the reasoning for unionizing. The new union would cover workers at Columbia Public Library, Callaway County Public Libraries, Holt Summit Public Library, and Southern Boone County Public Library.
1: From the AP, the White House announced Wednesday that it was making plans to direct the country away from the emergency phase of the COVID-19 pandemic. This comes despite many states already lifting mask mandates. The CDC continues to recommend that nearly all Americans still wear masks indoors. The White House did not specify the time frame or recommendation it was considering in its new guidance. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky emphasized the need for changing guidance while prioritizing safety, saying, quote, As we've been encouraged by the current trends, we are not there yet, unquote. The Olympics
0: team event medal ceremony was postponed after Camila Valieva, the record-breaking star in the figure skating community, tested positive for prohibited drugs at the 2022 Beijing Olympics. Claims qu- report that the drug involved is trimetazidine, which is medically used to prevent angina attacks and help blood flow to the heart. However, athletes use it to improve their performances as it increases oxygen flow. Valieva received massive acclaim for becoming the first female athlete to land a quadruple jump twice at the Olympics and has been the highest scoring female athlete since 2021. At only 15, the situation is further complicated because Valieva is considered a, quote, protected person, unquote, meaning that she cannot be officially identified by the Olympics if she is involved in a doping violation. And will receive a lighter sentence than someone who is 16 and above. Olympic spokesperson Mark Adams has said the Olympics is pending legal consultation before they proceed with a conclusion.
2: We're going to head into a quick break, and then when we come back, Carrington will start our show by giving background on the lawsuit against the Mizzou fraternity known as Fiji.
1: acou 88.1 fm columbia we're just about to dive into today's discussion carrying us carrington will start us off by breaking down the background on the lawsuit against the mizzou fraternity phi gamma delta also known as fiji
0: thanks megan before i get into the background and timeline of danny santuli's time at phi gamma delta i would like to extend a trigger warning for emotional and mental manipulation hazing and discussion about illegal activities Listener discussion is advised In the late hours of most weekdays, the students of the University of Missouri are sleeping. Some are sloppily filing in from the night's antics, and others are just waking to go to the gym, class, or grab breakfast at the closest dining hall. However, on October 20th, instead of participating in typical student activities, Danny Santulli, three months into being a freshman, is laying in the backseat of a fraternity member's car with no heartbeat. With a blood alcohol content of 0.486, six times the legal limit, Santuli's breathing had also stopped, evident from his blue lips. Santuli was resuscitated and put on a ventilator, but no one could know when or if he was going to wake up. Hazing is banned on many campuses nationwide. However, with fraternities and sorority institutions' blatant ignorance on these policies, how, is it, how far is too far for the sake of, quote, tradition, unquote, and community? Santuli knew he wanted to attend the University of Missouri by his senior year. Santulli had an extensive resume in sports as he played basketball, baseball, and managed the high school's hockey team. Santulli also worked at the fitness club assisting with youth activities. After graduating from Eden Prairie High School in the summer of 2021, the Santulli family was contacted by the recruitment chair for Kai Mu, the Phi Gamma Delta chapter of the University of Missouri. The recruiter promised him an opportunity to make lifelong friends and endorse the values of morality, friendship, and excellence. Unbeknownst to the family, the Commune chapter had amassed six campus violations in the last four years, with five of those violations including alcohol distribution. They've also been removed from campus numerous times. A no-alcohol policy for all chapter houses was frequently and openly ignored. Nonetheless, Danny Santuli Danny happily agreed to pledge for Phi Gamma Delta and partake in fall recruitment. Centuli's mother and father received a letter later that explained that their son would encounter, quote, testing points, end quote, which were explained as situations where his values would be challenged. This vague scripture wouldn't even cover an eighth of the torment Santuli went through. Once Santuli became an official pledge, he had no personal autonomy and had to devote all of his time and even sleeping arrangements to the fraternity. Centuli had to pick up food, alcohol, and drugs on command, buy things for his, quote, brothers, unquote, using his own money and cleaning all of the bedrooms in the chapter house. Things began to descend from manipulation to terrifying when Sanchuli was demanded to climb into a trash can full of broken glass shards. Sanchuli went to MU Health for stitches and crutches and immediately returned to his position as a pledge with virtually no time to recover. Santulli's total dedication to Phi Gamma Delta eventually took a toll on his academics and mental health. Santulli's sister recalls him stating that he couldn't handle the stress and isolation of the pledging process. Despite being urged to quit by his family, Santulli continued in fear of being humili- humiliated. This chain of reaction of events led to the night before Santulli's fight for his life. Santulli was blindfolded and placed in front of his pledge dad, Ryan Delante. Once he became acquainted with his, quote, dad, unquote, he was required to partake in a tradition known as the, quote, family bottle, unquote. Santulli received a full 1.75 liter bottle of Tito's vodka and was pressured to finish the whole thing before the night ended. Fraternity parties commenced with celebrating the new pledges with marijuana, cocaine, and various other mediums of alcohol. Santulli begged to be allowed to stop drinking, but members refused to attend to their requests. Just before midnight, Santuli's body was beginning to shut down. His blood alcohol content was hitting astronomical levels, and with no one telling him it was okay to stop drinking or retrieving the bottle from him, Santulli finally lost consciousness and collapsed on a couch. Laying there with no outside care, another fraternity member found him as the color was beginning to drain from his face. Instead of calling an ambulance, which would have allowed him to have continuous care from the house to the hospital, they tossed him in a car and drove him themselves. Santuli now lies in a rehabilitation center in Colorado. While he can now breathe on his own, he requires around-the-clock care as he cannot speak, walk, respond to demands, and now suffers from a severe and permanent brain injury. In the 30 years, David Bianchi, the defense attorney for the family, has spent working on hazing cases. He says this is, quote, the worst injury of any fraternity pledge, end quote. With criminal investigations, lawsuits, and more to come about from this situation, only one can hope that existing fraternities and sororities on MU's campus can take the steps to decipher between tradition and torture and heed the advice of this horrific cautionary tale.
1: Thank you, Carrington. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, Abby is going to break down the Santuli family's lawsuit against Fiji.
0: FM Columbia. Today, we're breaking down updates on the lawsuit against the Mizzou fraternity known as Fiji. Now, Abby is going to go over the specifics of the lawsuit.
2: Thanks, Carrington. On January 27th, Danny Santulli's 19th birthday, the law office of Stewart, Tilgman, Fox, Bianchi, and Kane filed a lawsuit in Boone County Circuit Court against 23 total defendants. The parents of Daniel Santulli, Thomas and Mary, are listed as the petitioners, currently represented mainly by David Bianchi with co-counsel assisting. Bianchi is a trial lawyer based out of Miami, Florida, and specializes in hazing-related lawsuits. According to the legal filings, the Fiji chapter of of the Kaimu fraternity is listed as the top defendant, with Santuli's, quote, pledge dad, unquote, Ryan Delante, also listed. 21 other members of the fraternity, including officers and board members, are listed as defendants. But of those listed, Delante is the only one who has secured opposing legal counsel, according to public records published on February 6th. This was the last public update on the case. While while Missouri's public legal portal, casenet.com, does not offer any public charge information in regards to the suit, we can gain some insight as to what the family of Danny Danny Santulli is fighting for and what the legal implications of this lawsuit might be based on the public articles published by news sources, Bianchi, and his firm. The Kymu fraternity, listed simply as its street address upon its dissolution in October of 2021 on Casenet, is an LLC, or limited liability company. What this means, according to online legal and tax counseling service, Walter's Kluwer, is, quote, the LLC legally exists as a separate entity from its owners. Therefore, owners cannot typically be held personally responsible for the business's debts and liabilities, unquote. It is generally hard to file lawsuits against limited liability companies, especially after they no longer exist. This is unless there is personal bodily injury, such as in the Santulli case. In this instance, it is then possible to hold the people behind the entity responsible for the harm, such as Santulli's pledge dad or the board of directors. This seems to be the action pursued by the legal counsel team led by Bianchi, with the extensive list of individual persons listed as defendants. Again, the exact dollar amounts or charges pursued in this case are unclear at this time. According to an article published by the Columbia Daily Tribune featuring an interview with Bianchi, it might be a while until that is decided upon. He said, quote, We have now served most of the defendants. The defendants are now in the process of hiring lawyers. Unquote. He then predicted a three week long trial due to the number of defendants listed. In a previous case cited by Bianchi in several interviews and the lawsuit itself, a Florida State University student was killed in a similar hazing incident involving alcohol. The incident, which occurred in 2017, led to jail time for the defendants, monetary compensation to the late student's parents, and a new legal anti-hazing precedent in the state of Florida. The lawsuit states that, quote, none of this is new, unquote. This citation of a previous similar case by the Saint Santuli Families Council can offer insight into what the outcome of the lawsuit might be. Bianchi has said there are no plans or reasons to pursue legal action against the University of Missouri because of its clearly outlined anti-hazing guidelines. As of today, there are no planned hearings scheduled for this case in Boone County Circuit Court.
0: Thanks, Abby. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, Megan will be discussing the issue of fraternity hazing at Missoula and Nationwide.
1: to The Pulse on KCOU eighty-eight point one FM Columbia. Today we're talking about the lawsuit against the Mizzou fraternity Fiji, and now I'll be telling, I'll be discussing other similar situations. Mizzou has had its fair share with hazing and related incidents, as far back, as far back as 1940, an initiate of fraternity Theta Nu Epsilon died as a result of heavy drinking from his initiation ceremony. Now the university keeps a list of Greek organizations that have violated the school's standards of conduct in the past four years. Fifty-nine fraternity and sorority organizations are on the list. Of those, five are currently on probation, one of which is on the list of fraternities that have lost the university's recognition. Fiji is that fraternity. It's also included on the list of the other 58 organizations that have violated the standards of conduct in the last four years. The university states that it now recognizes 58 Greek organizations. Without Fiji and the other no longer recognized fraternities, 53 of the 58 have violated standards of conduct in the past four years. Violations of the standards of conduct for university organizations include a host of other activities besides hazing. However, the fact that a substantial majority of Greek organizations at Mizzou have been in violation points towards the larger culture of Greek life on campus. Violations are extensive in Greek life at Mizzou. Many organizations have the same repeated violations year after year. Punishments for violations of the standards of conduct are called sanctions. Sanctions can include workshops and programming like alcohol education and sexual assault programming. Other sanctions can be consistent reports on the organization's compliance with standards. There does not appear to be explicit sanctions for repeat violations. However, organizations on disciplinary probation are subject to more severe sanctions if they continue to break rules. Any public information on the prevalence of rule-breaking in Greek life is solely based on times when people have reported violations, however. People within Greek organizations have few incentives to report violations in and of itself. Reporting injuries or alcohol-related incidents means consequences for the entire fraternity or sorority. This could explain why only the more serious incidents, like life-changing injuries or even death, become common knowledge. Mizzou is far from the only campus with a notorious Greek culture. Journalism professor Hank Neuer at Franklin College tracks hazing deaths. According to his research, at least one U.S. school, club, or organization hazing death occurred every year between 1959 and 2019. There is difficulty in even aggregating data on this phenomenon, as many Greek organizations are hard-pressed to deny involvement in the deaths or injuries of their members. Hazing is now illegal in 44 states. This is where incentives come back in. Rather than preventing the practice, these laws mean that organizations have an increased incentive to hide hazing. Hazing rituals are so ingrained in the culture of many fraternities that increased liability for everyone involved means increased secrecy. A 2008 study found that 73% of sorority and fraternity members nationwide had experienced some form of hazing. Journalist Caitlin Flanagan remarks, on hazing in her exposé on the death of fraternity pledge Tim Piazza that, quote, it's not an aberration, it's the norm, unquote. Daniel Santulli's case is one of many in a system where there are historically few consequences for institutions that facilitate harm to their members. With the increasing publicity of harm fraternities have caused, the question is now what the future of Greek life looks like.
2: Thank you, Megan. We're going to head into another quick break, and when we come back, we'll be discussing our own thoughts on the lawsuit against Fiji and other similar situations.
1: And welcome back to The Pulse on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. Today, we're talking about the lawsuit against the Mizzou fraternity, Fiji, now we're going to take a step back and share our own thoughts on the situation. Um, to start off today's discussion, I was just going to pose the question, generally, do you do you think um, Greek life, sort of, does it benefit campus life and culture, or does it not? What are the pros and
2: cons, I guess? So... I feel like it's it's a hard question. I'm not in any Greek life association, but I have lots of close friends who are in sororities, and they love it. They, you know, it benefits them. I see how much they love it. But, you know, then we have issues like this, freshmen being made to climb into trash cans full of broken glass. So it's hard. It needs a major rehaul, especially on the fraternity side, I think. But I'm also talking as an outsider looking at it so it's tough and talking about this as someone who's never been involved in greek life i understand where people can get iffy about the conversation but it doesn't take someone who is in greek life to understand that there are major issues especially with fraternities and hazing
0: um i'm on the outside looking in as well but i think it really just comes down to structure and the basic foundations of the sorority and fraternity. I know sororities, each sorority has their own philanthropies um, and just like different things that they donate to and dedicate their time to, whether it be like make a wish foundation or um, domestic violence and sexual assault. I think that they um, have structure and they have basis and they have things that they dedicate their time and their money and like their effort to. And that's kind of how they draw women in. But I feel like with some of these fraternities, it does seem like, there is no core basis or core thing that they're kind of based on. And so things can kind of get lost, especially when you have executives and different officials coming in and out of the um, equation, whether they graduate or move on to grad school, Um, the leadership is constantly changing. And so the message and and the implementation is constantly changing and it can lead to a very, very unstable organization as we've seen here.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've definitely like, I've known people who've been in Greek life and it seems to bring them a lot of fulfillment. But, uh, you know, as an outsider, I see the other issues um, just like from harm to members, harm to non-members and just the way the culture is structured. And it, you know, yeah, it definitely makes you wonder if there's a better way for them to do this because i mean finding community in college can be really hard and greek life gives you maybe not like a super easy way but like gives you one way to do this and i feel like it feels really good to have um people that you can call like almost like your family for the rest mm-hmm. of your life like that can be very fulfilling um but yeah it's
2: like we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier we had Kind of got on the conversation in between segments and um, USC announced that they have to have security guards standing outside of bedrooms at frat houses during parties to prevent sexual assault. And it's like, at what point do we just take a step back and say, this has gone way too far. We need to like evaluate the entire Greek life situation and see what happened, where we went wrong. Why do we need this rule? You know, it's like that across America with many college campuses.
1: Yeah, it's like such a pervasive problem where it's like you put these people who are basically adults, but like kind of not fully legally adults in these situations and expect them to always make the best decisions. And that clearly does not happen. And yeah, it, it definitely does bring to question whether the structure I know personally. In terms of, like, gender roles, that's one of my own personal criticisms. I think the way fraternity and sororities are structured just reinforces very weird and outdated um, gender like gender roles. And, you know, that that's my own personal gripe, and you can take that or leave it. But I think that's also kind of harmful. And I think that's even definitely seen in the Santuli case with just, like, the kind of, like, mental and physical torture you're supposed to go through to, like, become a better man, you know?
0: Um, I saw have two things. I think, personally, this might be a very pessimistic point of view, but I don't think hazing is ever going to stop. Um, I think that there has been this continuous cycle of pledges come in, they get treated terribly, um, and then some people kind of, like, understand it and they're really able to move on, but there are some people who are resentful of that um, torment that they are put through as pledges and then they they're so ready and eager to do it to the next pledges and then they continue this cycle of kinda of like abuse and torment. So I feel like all of these fraternities and sororities that they're built on the things that pledges go through. They're built on the tradition. And they don't want to stop it because if they went through it, then the other people have to go through it. And I think it's just like this kind of push and pull. I feel like for a lot of these cases it's just, I think it's it's a very it's very tricky because I think no matter what they do, like you could say like put in security, you could say like doing different things, but I think at the end of the day, it's still gonna happen. It's still gonna kind of like slip under the rug. I just think that it has to be a better way of setting up policy because I think the main issue the main issue is that we have a complete zero tolerance here. So because there's zero tolerance, they're scared. So when something bad happens or something happens. They don't want to call MUPD. They don't want to do anything. They don't want to get in trouble. They don't want to get anything banned, which is why the ambulance wasn't called because they thought the better idea was just to throw him in a car and drive him and leave him at the MU Health and just whatever. But I think the policy is really preventing people from actually coming forward and doing the right thing because they're just so terrified of the consequences, which is why Santuli is where he is now because people have waited too long and people weren't paying attention to him and it's I think it's very tragic but also I think what's more tragic is just the mental manipulation of it all because fundamentally he didn't have to drink all of it I think that he felt that way because he had been through so much and he was like okay this is just another thing I have to check off my list like whatever, and he was just exhausted, and he was very, very, like, he was very depressed about the whole situation. I think it was just something that he felt like he had to do. But fundamentally, he was already in the fraternity. So they weren't going to kick him out for not drinking the, that entire, like, fifth of alcohol. It's just, like, the the mental manipulation is really kind of what needs to be tackled before anything else. I think the physical stuff is horrendous, and any other forms of kind of this hazing, this abuse is this, But I think the mental aspect of... And the mental aspect and the pressure and the peer pressure is really what needs to be tackled and really needs to be the core focus of what need, what needs to be focused on. There needs to be policy about manipulation. Needs to be more policy about like this mental manipulation because it is it is killer and it, al- it almost killed
1: him. Yeah, that that is like definitely like a really good point. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up there. This has been The Pulse on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. Thank you so much for joining us. We have shows on all weekdays at 5 p.m. Excluding Mondays. So please give us a listen. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and have a great week.